0: What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that
1: was pretty fun.
0: Were <laughs> you in Taylor'sville when you saw the Sasquatch people, or is that Rachel?
1: Uh, Rachel was at Taylor'sville. I've seen one Sasquatch person at Otter Creek. Looking uh, for a Sasquatch?
0: Yeah, putting stuff in the trees and like, oh, you know, that's yeah. what Rachel was saying at right. Taylor'sville. It's I think a- she took us what she took Megan.
2: It's a fun group, fun group I, the think, the, I group. think the, the Sasquatches, they, they typically, they're down more south of Taylorsville. You think they're, they're a little, little more A little Taylor? more cavey, yeah. Okay, well that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You guys want to jump into <laughs> it here? Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can circle
1: back to Sasquatch habitat <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm, Chase, I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host.
0: Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we have to put a, a new uh, thing on our podcast because it's now award-winning Kentucky Field Podcast.
1: Tommy, you're the first guest on the award-winning Kentucky Field Field Podcast.
2: (laughs) What a privilege. Congratulations, (laughs) fellas.
1: Tommy, you're a wildlife biologist. You're with the Deer Program. I am. Pronounce your name for me. Your last (laughs) name, I'm not going to get it right. It's Apostolopoulos. So, yeah,
2: way, way more Greek than I am, that's for sure. But, well,
1: you know, it looks tougher than that. Uh, I mean, that, that sounded mm-hmm. pretty simple when you yeah, said it, it. But when I look at it written, I'm like, oh, well, I'm
2: Oh, yeah, 14 letters, six yeah. syllables. It's a is so it? it's well, a lot. Oh, yeah.
0: When you order pizza, do you just say uh, Tommy?
2: Oh, yeah, Tommy A. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's usually <laughs> what I am for, for everything. Because my last name
1: is Winiger, but it's spelled win And when I used to swim, I'd, I'd get up there on the starting block, and they'd announce your name, and everybody got it wrong. So I know that you dealt with the exact same, probably worse.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, during during my football days, I was A Pop, which is a little A-pop. bit easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, around here, it seems like everybody just calls me Tommy A. Tommy? I just call you Tommy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Tommy? I appreciate that. It's better than some of the names I've been called. So. Yeah,
1: no doubt. <laughs> Tommy from the deer program. Well, I'll tell you what, like Lee said, award winning. Maybe we should hit on that. You want to tell him real quick? Oh, well, we... Uh We took the award of
0: merit at the Kentucky Association of Government Communicators yesterday for podcast radio program. We got edged out by one about the East Kentucky floods. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, pretty, ours is about
1: bears. Yeah, the one we submitted was number 106 with uh, John, John asked about black bears. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll submit one next year, Tommy. Maybe this will be it. We'll just mm-hmm. have to yeah,
2: we'll cross our fingers to see fast. how it goes. <laughs> if this turns out real good,
1: then uh, we'll put your name on the award, too. That's the first time we've put in for anything. I mean, That's we, awesome. we started this podcast from scratch. So yeah. we've learned Very as we went. Cool. Very
2: yeah. cool. Congratulations.
1: So we all have been overdue on a podcast. I've been wanting to do one for a bit. We had the holidays pop up, so we kind of are a week late here. And the reason I've been wanting to do one so bad is because of modern gun season just wrapping up and I took Kristen out and mm-hmm. I got to hunt alongside a few other buddies and my fiance took her first deer ever. So that was, yeah, and it was a saw, beauty deer.
2: Yeah, so it was a monster. It was a good deer.
1: Um it was a better deer than I thought she would probably end up <laughs> with. But we started that adventure two years ago. So last year she she picked up I mean, I got her out shooting and we did the hunter ed exemption last year and she hunted, but she wanted to shoot a buck. And we sat there and we went hunting and hunting and we never got a shot at a buck. So this year exemption was gone so she had to go through the actual hunter ed um, process and she got her hunter ed um, certification on saturday the season started so she started going hunting on sunday that's perfect and uh yeah we'd probably gone four times and we had seen plenty of deer but she just had been passing them but the good thing she did was uh dry fire drills so when we were out there set up and if a doe walked out and she would just aim at that doe and with no round in the chamber and squeeze the trigger and the gun would, you know, click. And she probably did that 30 or 40 times, just aiming at deer and pulling the trigger. And so I felt really confident that if the deer walked out, that she was at least practiced up, because I think that's the best practice you can you can get. And then the day she ended up <clears throat> taking one, you know, and, and the whole time she's hunting, she's on her phone and she's, she's kind of hanging out, you know, looking at the the birds and whatnot. But that deer came out and I could tell she was, she was nervous at that point in time, right? Pretty good buck. He's out there. He's following a doe going directly away from us right at like 180 yards probably. And I could tell he was just going away. So I grabbed my rattle antlers and I gave a real quick rattle and that got him to turn quartering away. And he stopped and locked up and I was like right on the shoulder, just like you practiced. And when that gun went off, man, that deer buckled up and I was watching through my binoculars and he ran probably 30 yards and Crashed right there in the field, and I was, I was like, oh, he's down, he's down. And I pulled my binoculars down, and she looked at me and she said, I missed. I said, no, he is down right there in the field, and she was convinced that she had not hit that deer, and she was only convinced of it because she was so nervous that she was afraid she hadn't. You know, when like you're worried, mm-hmm. and you talk yourself into shaky. Oh you know, yeah. yeah. I told her, I said, you can see the deer in the field, and she pulled the rifle up, and I said, more to the right, and I could see the barrel going to the right and as soon as I saw the barrel aim of that deer she put that gun down and she was like so excited which I'm glad because you never know with a new hunter you know and she's an animal lover how how is someone going to react when they actually you know kill their first animal because there is something to that but she uh put a good shot on it I think she was you know happy about that right in the heart went 30 yards and she was on cloud nine Mm -hmm. so since then we've enjoyed five meals from that deer heck yeah many more actually if you include all the summer sauces I've eaten Probably like 15 mils, because I will sit there with a the log of that summer sausage, and I'll just start eating it. Do you get the snack
0: sticks ever? I love
1: those. I
2: haven't. I've actually... With the, with so the
0: cheese and, oh, my God. Yeah, it's so like, it's before like this year, I
2: was, I was processing deer myself. Um, got a couple in the freezer and realized that like, I could just put some more hunks of meat in there and roast them or yeah. take them, actually, the processor. So I just took it and left a note. Split. Summer Sausage, Snack Sticks. So I've got a whole deer coming back. Oh, yeah. Summer sausages and Snack Sticks. I'm pretty excited Heck about yeah. it. Heck, yeah. Which snack processor sticks. did you take it to? c and and j And I think they send it somewhere else. I think they send it to Web's. But...
1: For the Summer Sausage, mm-hmm. I think they will. Maybe for the Snack Sticks, too. I went to Kingsley's, mm-hmm. um, which I never had been to before. I walked in there and... I took them just chunks because i processed the deer myself in the garage so i took them vacuum sealed muscles basically just solid muscles <coughs> and got uh cheddar and jalapeno summer sausage back and it was excellent excellent and i think they might do theirs in house would that make sense mm-hmm. i mean they're it's kingsley's it's a butcher shop so yeah, well, kingsley's is famous i told about bowman field kingsley's yeah right? and the owner was there and i talked to him he told me he used to be on the board of hunters for the hungry So they definitely know what they're doing with deer. And it was, to me, I I walked in and I asked him if they still had room for donations, and he said, yeah, you know, they get allotted for um, 48 a year, and so far they've only taken 32 and this was after gun season, so I'm still planning on taking a Hunters for the Hungry donation up there. Yeah, and it's cool because it's like two miles from my house in Louisville, so
2: it's nice
1: and quick. So we have been taking deer to the processor just for the summer sausage um, because everything else I'll just do in the house but we've had five good meals off that deer and every one i've cooked i've tried to do something special like and just do it perfect because i want the deer you know her first deer mm-hmm. eating it to be to be mm-hmm. nice and so i euro mounted that deer and basically i'm done with it it's all behind me now but it it tastes good it looks good the euro mount and it was a good experience so that went really well and that was probably the highlight of my deer season to be honest with you was uh was that specific kind because i was it was just like i was in my own buck tag is how it felt. You know, my heart was pounding, and I had the same level of excitement after the fact. Then, but she looked at me and she asked me. She's like, "Why? Why is my heart beating like this? Like, why am I? Why am I shaking?" Like, she didn't understand the mm-hmm. the jitters you get. You know, <laughs> it's but, called but, a but, girl. But you don't know, really know how to describe that to somebody who never has hunted before, do you? Yeah. Like, how do you explain it, Tommy?
2: <laughs> no. Well, that's what I was thinking when you were talking about how you yeah. you were. You were you know, not worried but interested to see how she was going to react because yeah. that is that's some serious, yeah. you know, well, she did stuff to, to have to handle for the first time. And there really is, in my opinion, there really is no way to, uh, but, to prepare for that or even describe it.
1: But she handled it just like someone who'd been out there hunting for 20 years. Like the, the nervousness and stuff was just in the making the shot. And you know what I mean? Like, just like how I feel when I see the arrow go straight through the rib cage. You know, I know that I've got a, a buck laying out there somewhere, man. It's like my, mm-hmm. my heart's pounding and my hands oh, yeah, are shaky and yeah. can't can't really control the breathing. I was just, I enjoyed watching her have that same feeling, you know, like feeling like a like a hunter's supposed to feel. It's just, because to me, that's what it's about. It's, it's that right there. But that's why I, I thought we were long overdue on this podcast because I, I wanted to talk about, about deer hunting. And, you know, we got the right person to do that. Here oh, yeah. with us today, Tommy's got love talking about deer hunting. You got thirty or forty pages laid out. I got everything I went I need, to Florida and kind
0: of screwed us up. Sorry. No, you <laughs> went to
1: Florida too, didn't
0: you? Yeah, that's why I remember we were going to do it the Wednesday before Thanksgiving.
1: That still would have been tough, though. Yeah. You know, yeah, the holidays coming up. It would have been, it wouldn't have been this good.
0: I was like, well, that's going to be hard because I'll
1: be like not in the state. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tommy, uh-huh. uh, all in all, I had a good deer season. I am going to take two or three more. I think I have room mm-hmm. in my freezer for two more does if I eat a couple and get out there in January, and then I need to make that donation. Because when we had Roger LaPointe from Hunters for the Hungry mm-hmm. on here, I said on the podcast, I'm going to make a donation, and I have not yet done that, and I'm not going to be a liar. Uh-uh,
2: you know, hands so, are tied.
1: At some point, I am taking a deer to hunters. But, you know, I went out one day specifically to shoot a deer for him, and I shot a deer for him. And when I walked up on that deer, I realized that the, it might not be worth their money to pay for the It was a, <laughs> it was a smaller deer.
2: A little, little throw-over-your-shoulder-walk-back-to-the-truck kind of deer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> my, my favorite kind of deer. There's just one shoulder. They right taste good, though, don't you oh, think? Oh, man.
1: <laughs> I mean, it came in alone, you know.
2: Hands are tied at some point. looked like a lone doe to me, but, yeah, very tender.
1: <laughs> um, moving on from that, how did everybody else do deer season-wise, Tommy? How's
2: it look? I mean, we are rocking and rolling. Um, so as of December 1, so I pull data every month. Um, harvest that and kind of break it down. So through the end of November, that includes modern gun season, includes youth season, muzzleloader season, and all the archery season and crossbow. Um, since the beginning of the season, we have harvested 127,664 deer. Um, How does that compare? So it's right in line. Um, it's about 500 animals off of the 10-year average, okay. uh, which is about 128,000. So, um, I will say we're a little, not worried, but, you know, curious to see what would happen this year with the mast crop. So it tends to, uh, the harvest tends to follow the, the mast crop. And so the higher the mast crop, the less deer have to move around because there's a bunch of acorns on the ground for them to eat. They can hunker down. They can find that feed tree. Uh-huh. They don't have to move a whole lot. Um, when there's not any acorns on the ground, there's not any food, they've got to move around. Mm-hmm. They've got to look. You know, for Makes something to perfect eat. Perfect sense. So they're on their feet, and that gives hunters more opportunity to be out in the woods. Um, another big factor is the weather. Yeah, I so. was going to
1: say weather, because you got two factors, right? How much the deer are moving, and how much people are hunting
2: them. That's exactly right. So, yeah, can't shoot them on the couch.
1: So the acorns, no doubt. The acorns kind of dictate how much the deer are moving, and then the weather has to be the primary thing that drives participation,
2: right? For sure. For sure. So, And we really see that in those two-day seasons, the youth season and the muzzleloader season. Those really fluctuate year to year because it is completely tied to the weather. I Mm -hmm. think last year was in the mid-50s during that early muzzleloader, and we we hardly killed any deer.
1: Yeah, the two-day seasons make sense because you can have a, that time of year the youth season is early October. I mean, it can be the most beautiful day of the year, Mm -hmm. or it could be a washout. Or, you know what I mean, like we could get a pop-up storm that yeah. lasted two days. Yeah, no that,
2: that time of year it really could be Yeah, I anything. could see that.
1: Anything. So know. how was our weather this uh, modern So fire?
2: modern gun, I mean, it was it was mild. We didn't really have any crazy cold snaps or anything, but, you know, it got got pretty chilly. had a couple frosts from what I remember. Um, and then it didn't get really too, too hot. And so kind of mild weather. Um, didn't seem to affect anything um, during... Modern gun season, we usually harvest right around 100,000 deer. Um, this year, we harvested 95,400, so a little bit lower, but it really um, it kind of washes out when you look at it at the big picture.
1: And you're talking about that's a, that much lower than the 10-year average?
2: Yeah, so in total, um, archery, muzzle litter, everything, we're like 500 animals off okay. across the across the year. Um, the five-year average for modern gun seasons like ninety-eight thousand and some change, and we had ninety-five yeah. and some change yeah. this year. So it really is. Um, even though we had, you know, over half of our red oaks were bumpering this year, you mm. know, um, nearly half of our white oaks were better than average. So there was a lot of food on the ground. Um, we were still able, you know, Kentuckians were still able to get out there and and lay them down, which is which is a really good thing, especially you know. As you know and have talked about on this podcast, there's you know a lot of areas in Kentucky that are severely overpopulated with deer, especially mm-hmm. around here, and, and kind of. Following the Ohio River West. Zone 1s. Yeah, those Zone 1 counties. I've seen so,
0: more deer in town here in Frankfort than I ever have, I mean.
2: It's obscene. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I hunt in town in Louisville <laughs> and see six, seven deer at least every <laughs> every, <laughs> every afternoon. I went yesterday for an hour and a half after work. And My saw neighborhood, I see
0: them all the time. I live yeah. off Collins Lane near the East-West Connector.
1: You see them every morning on the East-West Connector. Oh yeah, I, uh, I got a buddy that works at the, the water plant down there off the East-West Connector yeah. and. They have security cameras up, and it, you know, he'll just be in the office sending me, like, <laughs> videos of the deer on their security cameras, bucks chasing. And He can always tell me when they start dropping their antlers because he'll find a couple sheds out there mowing the grass. Cool. You know, <coughs> you know it just, it, there's a lot. You're right, urban deer. I would like to know more about your urban deer hunting at some point. I won't make you give away the details on the podcast, but there is good urban deer hunting, you know, if you're a bow hunter. You can get out there, and there's plenty of places in Louisville. We used to hunt a place for the uh, TV show. A guy had a garden lived uh, <clears throat> right there near Prospect off of uh um 22 what would that be Lagrange Road or mm-hmm. whatever it is yeah. like right mm-hmm. there oh, yeah. not a half mile from Kroger and uh, yeah. he couldn't he couldn't raise a garden because deer were destroying it so he called us and we went out there and we Oh yeah.
2: Yeah it. that's actually that's kind of how I got access to this property yeah. that I that I'm hunting in in Louisville it's, she wants her day lilies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like can't grow daylilies with this many deer. Yeah, you, no, you got to do something about it.
1: There's a lot of good play like um I don't want to like incent like try to persuade somebody to go out there and look for these deer in Louisville, but the parks in Louisville have a lot of deer, and the neighborhoods and the suburbs around those parks, you know, they have a lot of deer too. Oh yeah. And then yeah. there's there's places down there. Basically, if you look at the map, and it's somewhere in that concrete, you can find some green. Like there's going to be deer mm-hmm. wherever and that greens. They're, green they're is. piled up in there too. It's like a
0: like yeah. a sink. I was going to I was going to get a pizza one night and uh, took Taylor Avenue. Right there, right by the Capitol. I mean, you know, it's when you're at the bottom of the hill, the Capitol is here. But when you're going down Louisville Road, that goes to downtown Taylor Avenues, is the one that splits off there and follows mm-hmm. the river. Right there. I mean, right by 2nd Street School. Yeah. Huge buck. I was like, what in the world are you doing? In t-? I mean,
1: yeah, there's that, walking on the on
0: sidewalk, basically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what's that fort downtown? The uh, one up on the hill? Fort, uh, well, they call it Fort Hill. Oh, I'll think of it. But yeah, I know fort Hill. Yeah, there's a man, a ton of them up there. I know. It's all Osage and nasty looking, too.
2: Oh, well. That anyway. Was
1: a, that was a defensive fort during the Civil War. Okay, so. so we posted some of these deer numbers on the Kentucky Field Facebook. We just did the graphic. We don't have it as in-depth as what you have here in front of us. Um, but we have a nice, beautiful graphic that Ashley Reeves, one of uh, Lee's coworkers, mm-hmm. made. And yes. we got we got She won up. first place yesterday, too. I was proud of we got a bunch of comments back on that post, right? And there was a lot of just random comments, but some some of the uh, comments were good. One of them was just asking about, like, the number of hunters now versus in the past. Because so, that's kind of a comparable thing to the deer harvest numbers, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be able to look at these numbers and compare them, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's an assumption that we make is that, you know, our tag people out hunting, the hunter effort, is relatively constant,
1: mm-hmm. and um, that's how it has been over the. I mean, that's yeah, what...
2: yeah, and and with with sportsmen's licenses and bundles like that, it's pretty hard to tell to mm-hmm. parse out like who's buying that license for deer, who's yeah. buying it to just go fishing, you know, um, the senior licenses as well. But we've got a pretty good idea on on deer permit sales and how many people are hitting the woods every yeah. year, and it's, I mean, it's it's relatively Stable. I I know that there's a lot of concern with some other species and hunters in general, you know, on the decline. Um, But that's not something that we're seeing in Kentucky for our deer hunters. I haven't really dug into it too hard as to like why we're still deer hunting and not coon hunting or anything like that. You know, something. You know, any kind of comparison like that. But as far as our hunter numbers are concerned, we're we're rocking and rolling. I mean, we've still got. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's it's in the hundreds of thousands of people that are that are buying deer permits every year.
1: That's a good point you made a second ago about the bundled license, because that's something that we've heard before, Lee and myself on the podcast, is you're right. Because most people are like, well, how many deer hunters do we have? But then... You could, you could easily tell them if, if the only deer permit, if everybody had to buy a deer permit, right? Right, mm-hmm. if you
2: had to buy a deer permit, but you got then the number like... of deer permits would yeah, tell, tell us. But, yeah. but if you're buying a sportsman's license where, you know, I get everything or and use. I decide not to go deer hunting, the department, I don't know that. You know, all I see is that a sportsman's license was bought. Mm-hmm. Or what if you're a, a license-exempt
1: landowner mm-hmm. who owns, you know, over five acres? You know? Right, right.
2: And we do we do a little bit of math. um, in regard to that, like we kind of know our success rate for our permit holders, and then we know how many deer are harvested with a landowner tags. So We're able to see kind of how many landowners are in the woods. Right. Get at
1: least a good estimate, because that number might be different. If you're hunting your own property, you might have a higher chance of success. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's but that'd probably be a good estimate. But the point being that because of youth license, because of a senior license, because of sportsman's license— you can't just say, well, here's how many people, because you're right. Some of those people might not be deer hunting, even though they're getting those those bundled packages. So, Yeah, yeah. But, and
2: if, if they were, I just found the number, it's 312,000 people had either a deer permit or one of those bundled that were able to hunt deer in Kentucky this year. 3,
1: 312,000 people had the
2: ability to deer hunt based on a purchase. That's correct, so, so, yeah. yeah. And so that, comparatively, over the 10-year average, that's, we're up 5% from that average um, in 2022. So um, haven't looked into 2023 yet, but I, I expect fully for it to be, you know, relatively stable. About the same as the last one. Mm-hmm.
1: So some of the questions that we had, that was a good one. One, one group of uh, individuals said that their county used to consistently be in the top 10, right? And that it, over the past five years or so, that their county has significantly dropped down as far as total harvest numbers. And they were just asking what variables there could be for something like that.
2: Yeah, so I'll go out on a limb and assume that's in the bluegrass region. It was Is Owen it? County. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, Owen County per- per- Owen. particular, yeah. Oh, I thought you said Oldham, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Owen, Owen County um, in particular, yeah. It's it's not even the top 10 for um, modern gun harvest this year. And in, in reality, yeah, there are less deer in Owen County than there were five years ago, and... That is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen County was notoriously our most populated county mm-hmm. across the state. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to believe there were. So ideally you're looking for like 20 to 30 deer per square mile. Mm-hmm. You're going to have good hunts. You're not going to have head high browse lines on anything. Um You know, it's that, that's kind of your balance Mm -hmm. right there. That's, that's the carrying capacity. So 25 to 30? Yeah, 20, 20 to 30. And it, it depends like in your more wooded areas, um, that might be a little high because you're going to lose out on oak regeneration after about 15 deer per square mile. Um, A square mile is 650 acres roughly. Yeah. Somewhere right right. around in that ballpark. Um, so for Owen County in particular, there's been a lot of habitat change. It's grown up quite a bit since, you know, the heydays of killing, you know, three, 4,000 deer out there every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I mean, we, the zone one county designation is, a county is designated as zone one because it has too many deer, mm-hmm. because it is overpopulated. That's mm-hmm. why it's an unlimited doe take. We, mm-hmm. we are actively trying to reduce the population in that county. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Success story, Owen County.
2: Right, right. So <laughs> it's gone from like 100, and so remember that 20 to 30 mark. It's gone from, I think in 2015, it hit its high at like 120 deer per square mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's down to like 85. So still way overpopulated. Still obscene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. whoever whoever asked that question, they're, they're right. There are less deer in Owen County. They're still... Three, four times as many as would be preferred for the habitat. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it, and that's that's kind of a, a rabbit hole. You can, it, having too many deer can lead to all kinds of mm-hmm. issues for the herd, for everything. Yeah. Um, for your hunting, for, you know. Yeah, it's tough to man. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I'm sure you know, Tommy. It's tough to hunt overpopulated
1: places. Yeah. Like when you've got does on high alert all the time, just walking. You got more noses and more ears and more eyes around you. It's tougher to get that one buck out of there without getting yourself busted. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've got a healthy number of deer, the chances of that buck walking by without five does going downwind of you first becomes mm-hmm. a lot greater. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. And that, that and on top of that, you know, um, if you're a buck mm-hmm. and everywhere you look there's a doe, mm-hmm. are you going to respond to that grunt call that sounds a little funny? Are yeah. you going to yeah. you going to answer those rattling antlers that aren't right exactly the right time of year? Why would you? You know, Why or would you? or. If you're in a thicket with a bunch of does, why would you leave that thicket during the breeding season? You Mm -hmm. know, you're not gonna see the deer because they're gonna be busy. I can't remember
1: Mm. who else made a really good point about the population and especially buck to doe ratios. Essentially, it's gonna be a buck's mission to breed every available doe, right? And so the more does you have, then the more pressure is put on those bucks. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Tommy. And so really you can have higher buck mortality
2: through the rut because these bucks are running harder. They're running ragged. They don't yeah. they don't have a second yeah. to take a breath because there are so many does. More does. More and does. Um, you know, we are running in this upcoming weekend is the, you know, the late muzzle odor, which is supposed to coincide with what, you know, what people call the second rut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in places where there are a healthy number of deer, that second rut is for female fawns that have now reached the body size to be able to yep. be sexually mature. They go into heat, and so those bucks are keyed up again. Well, mm-hmm. if you got too many deer, those fawns are not going to get big enough to go into estrus. So no second rut. Either that, or yeah, it's way delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you talk about that? Um,
1: so we. We did a segment with Tommy back in the spring. Not the prettiest segment we've ever oh, done. Oh, yeah, Not poor Tim. <laughs> Not your fault, Tommy. But uh, Tim went out with uh, our video producer here, Tim, who's going to be on this weekend show. We're now with Tommy, and uh, they did a uh, fetal study on a roadkill doe. So they basically pulled over on the side of 64 and cut the fetuses out of a roadkill doe, and Tommy here measured them for us on camera, and then he got oh, to be yeah. seen on TV doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. the whole point of your... <laughs> of what you were doing there was essentially to figure out peak rut, right? And then you can see in your numbers
2: like a second rut, right? Right, right. Break that down for us. So, yeah, well, first props to Tim for sticking through that segment that was quite a green belly doe she'd been there for like a week Ooh. um it was it was a pretty nasty roadkill, but yeah I um, it was fresh when
1: i sent to you guys out after that oh yeah point. well i think the one
2: i think the one that we went after at that first what had been hit like that morning but yeah. i guess somebody picked it up or something and we like Vapo we're driving back and found so. this deer we're like ah let's go check it out sorry man been there
1: for a week <laughs> it was one of those 80 degree march weeks yeah, you oh. know, just, no, it wasn't that hot but no but i
2: feel like it had been she was pretty uh she was pretty rank so she had triplets though which was really cool to see um (laughs) so basically if we starting here in the next couple weeks and running until may and even into june sometimes we across the state are stopping on roadkill does Uh opening them up Mm -hmm. aging them measuring how big the fetus is because if you are able to determine how big the fetus is then you can backdate it basically mm-hmm. and find the date that that fetus was conceived so you can find oh, wow. nearly you know pinpoint within a within a day or two when that doe was bred so you know when she was in heat hmm. you know when that deer was bred so that's great for that one deer well she's dead you know, she got hit by a car. But if you, if you go across the state and go region to region and pile all these up year after year, now you have this beautiful bell curve yeah. of, here's your peak rut, and mm-hmm. then here's your blip in December, here's your second. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're doing that, we're also looking at fawns. If fawns are pregnant, it's a good thing. It means that the population is probably in a good spot. Mm-hmm. If every fawn is barren, if we have adult does that are barren, we're able to see with a little bit of um, testing through, like cutting some some tissues to see if eggs were even dropped. So if we've got a bunch of adult does that are barren and dropped eggs, that means they were fertile, they were ready to be bred, but they weren't, then that means there are probably too many does out there. Too many does, bucks
1: yeah. couldn't yeah. get to them all.
2: They couldn't even get to them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is happening in some places in the state, and which is kind of wild to think about. That mm-hmm. is wild to think about. And it's about. not because there aren't enough bucks. It's because there are too many does. Just that many. Yeah. Yeah. And that and makes... ha- we have over a quarter million bucks in the state. So I've seen debate.
1: and I, I can't remember where I saw it or who it was. I mean, it might not have been legit. But I've seen debates before, just being a deer hunter and looking at deer hunter stuff, of the second rut. Like people debating its existence. Right? Or Yeah. Or, well, there's where
2: it comes from. Mm-hmm.
1: Is some places, there isn't. Yep. So it's completely, and basically that body weight, I've heard 70 pounds. Is that about right? Seems about right. So yeah. it's essentially those, those yearling female deer. It's not that, you know, they, they might come into, into heat and, and be bred their first year of life if they get big enough in time, right?
2: Yeah, those fawns that were, so they were born in, you know, May, June, and they'll be bred if they're big enough, like you said that beginning middle of december so fawn but we've had we've had those that we've picked up that were bred at the beginning of february mm-hmm. so there are these outliers mm-hmm. which you see sometimes like i got trail camera pictures from a, a hunter this year that had spotted fawns you know in mm-hmm. the middle of october i've seen them in october yeah. mm-hmm. in the because october. and that and that's why just cuz they're born later yeah. so that's kind of another aspect of overpopulation where like if you have this many does, if you have too many does, and they're not all being bred at the right time, the, the reason the rut happens when it does is because the fawns can be born at a time in the spring, right before green up, or right after green up, excuse me, after mom has had green up to get big and, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce be milk. full of nutrition to yeah. to, yeah, to nurse these fawns. And then they'll be big enough in the winter time when there's not as much food to survive the winter. Mm-hmm. So if that cycle gets messed up because there are too many does,
0: mm-hmm
2: you know and they're getting bred later and later or earlier or any you know any time outside of that window that's well the, the one that was bred in February concerned.
0: probably had a rough time making it through that first winter don't you think
1: right yeah, yeah. or if if they did it <clears throat> all if they're born if they're bred too early drop too too early then the, the doe might not be able to produce or lactate to the point to take care exactly. of on the front end. Yep. So it's really, there's a sweet spot to what Tommy's saying of mm-hmm. too early bad, too late bad, and, and too many deer causes too early, too late. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. And, you know, it's a herd health concern. It's also, you know, individually, it's it's a hunting mm-hmm. thing. Like, I want to see bucks. I want to see bucks acting like bucks mm-hmm. you know i don't want to sit there during the rut and not see any deer because yeah. they're all mm-hmm. you know in the thicket
1: well mm-hmm. i think people used to some of my buddies i we i had access to two farms to deer hunt right <clears throat> and one of them was one of those farms you go sit in a tree and you might see 30 or 40 you know what i mean just deer everywhere and there were good deer there too i mean good deer and the other farm i had access to hunt was one of those where you might scrap out four or five deer a night you know, but for some reason, I would go to the one that had a lot of deer, and I'd shoot does. I enjoyed the heck out of that. But I always buck under the one that had four or five deer. You know.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's another thing to touch on is, you're you're not gonna be able to find a mature buck that's acting like a mature buck that's gonna be bedded with a bunch of does. They're yeah. they're lone. And, you know, they're yep. solitary until that rut comes in. And so if you have this doe nursery on your farm and you've got a bunch of does and you're not shooting enough of them, your buck isn't staying there. He's going to stay on your neighbors and your neighbor's going to shoot that buck. Yep. And you're not going to be very happy.
1: Mm-hmm. The Like one of my buddies who who hunts that same overpopulated farm I was talking about, like he he had this camera running. Sure, he got a really good buck on it. And I was like, H- how are you going to hunt him? You know, and I'm not going to call this guy out. He's probably not listening to this podcast. But he had a stand location picked out and i was like yeah but how are you gonna get there <laughs> you know without scaring 20 deer off or, or or you can't hunt that stand with any wind because does come out here and here
2: and here and yeah here. they're just
1: everywhere yeah, how it, do you
2: it's how a, do you game plan it literally
1: yeah. makes something that could be very doable hunting this buck you know you could hunt them with an east wind or a north wind but there's so many dang deer there that you can't you just mm-hmm. can't go in there and hunt that buck because you're gonna Booger all the does up, and you're going to send that buck right to your neighbors, just like Tommy was saying. You don't want to do, you know. So it it can make the hunt more difficult. Now it is fun to go out and see thirty deer, you know. I will admit that it's I like sitting in the tree and seeing deer. So there's something fun about that too. But in the long run, as far as quality of your hunting goes, it's kind of like a bullet that's worth biting. Mm -hmm. Is to have less deer and have better deer and have better hunts.
2: But yeah, I would definitely (laughs) rather see five or 10, 120, 130-pound does, then 20 or 30, 80-pound mm. does, mm-hmm. and that's how big they're just gonna be because they don't have enough food to eat. I Alabama does. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I grew up hunting in Alabama <laughs> after Christmas every year. I've got family down there, and I remember I shot this, it was 110 pounds we, we weighed her, and it was like, man, the biggest doe I'd ever seen. Mm, and you know, it was wild.
1: That's a 110. That yeah. is a small deer, man. I feel like yeah. I've seen some does. Oh, no, this here. is like
2: an adult deer. Oh. You know,
1: I've seen some does before that I wish I would have had a scale for. Them.
2: Yeah, we had a herd health check in August on one of our WMAs, and had 155 pound, like three year old doe. Really? Like, that's a that's a healthy deer. No, so, they they what do you? It. Uh, what are
1: some of the out, like crazy things you've seen doing deer deer studies, deer work here with the department? But, wait, but let me back up before you worked for the department of fish with the kentucky department of fish and wildlife did
2: you work for any other conservation organizations beforehand no i'm too young too young yeah it happened yeah. <laughs> um i got on with the department first in 2018 i worked for john hast and terry brunges when they were dealing with the henry county pigs uh, wild pig population mm-hmm. yeah so got to Got to work with them on that quite a bit. Got to go down and play with the bears a little bit and the elk um, Mm -hmm. in East Kentucky. Um, Then I worked on a bear genetics project after that. Through the hair. Hair snares in in Southeast Kentucky. Um, University of Tennessee was doing a research project on that.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a cool um, project we had. Has oh, told yeah. us about that event. that mm-hmm. hey, yeah, was, was probably it the was podcast really that we submitted. It could have been.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, the podcast of Has we submitted for the awards. Yeah, so it, was it was cool. It was it was a huge uh, study. I think it was like five million acres they were looking at. I mean, Kentucky and Tennessee trying to get some some uh, like genetic work on on these bears and where they're coming from and where they're headed to. We should circle back to bears here in a minute because I got I'm bear
1: hunting this weekend, so I could talk bears. Oh yeah. But <laughs> so before before we get too far off track. Um, what like just as far as the work you've done with with deer or other other animals here at the department, what's like some some of the more outlier or, or crazy things, something that just surprised you? Like I saw a 19 year old elk one time when I was out with. That's nuts. Um, them.
2: So recently, mm-hmm. that that reminds me of something that's pretty cool. Um, so Joe McDermott, my boss, mm-hmm. the the deer program coordinator, he did his master's project on. Uh, fawn recruitment, survival mm-hmm. in Southeast Kentucky, Clay and Leslie counties. Very low deer density, big woods. You know, not a whole lot of deer. Um, got a call from a fella. Yeah. I think it was the second or third weekend in gun season. Mm-hmm. He said, "Hey, I killed this deer. Mm-hmm. It's got a tag in its ear. To call this number." Yeah. And I thought, and I thought, because we haven't done that study deer was- research like that since then. Yeah. And how long ago was that you think? Twenty fifteen and sixteen. So eighteen years ago. Or eight. Eight, eight years ago. Yeah. 18, so this okay. so <laughs> so I was thinking and thinking, like, there's nothing is it a doe? And he said, No, it's a buck. Killed yeah. this a big old buck. Yeah. Like, and then it all occurred to I was like, that's that's one of Joe's fawns. Yeah. From twenty sixteen. And so cool. I got him to call the the, he called the hunter and gave gave him all the information he, he like he had the day that that deer was born yeah and where it was born gps location because oh, he, wow. he did the VIT. Yeah, it, it was really neat yeah they, yeah it was some, one of the,
1: one of the VIT. because yeah. we had a great video of joe jumping in the trap a trap oh yeah <laughs> was, remember that live trap? Mm-hmm. so you had this fawn just in this trap with it and it's it's trying to go head out the back of the trap so its back legs are kicking in the air at the entrance and joe he turns his head around backwards and he dives in there and for one frame of the video, that, that that deer's got its front legs positioned right in front of Joe's face, and it if it wanted to mule kick him, it just could. That was one of the better videos. I've seen from one of our, it, it was that one and Zach Campbell doing the uh, Kelly Clarkson when he got tased. Those were my, oh, two, yeah, my two favorite employee videos. Yeah, and really. then, then he went
0: out and jumped in the lake in January to show waterfowl hunting safety. They took. They took. Zion road. <laughs> I
1: kind <can't laughs> of. photo shoot. And you jumped over a piece I wrote on Waterfowl.
2: Like, I kind of want to see this wild. deer. Did you ever see a picture of it? The one the guy killed. The um, I think I've got a picture of it somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, it was it. a seven. And it a was half. a good deer. It wasn't. You know, it was no Boone and Crockett deer, but it was a. It was a very respectable, probably one one forties class. The, and he was seven and a half years old, which. So it's pretty that, cool. Um, I take that
1: all day. The the deer I mm-hmm. shot this year won't score one fifteen, but I I I know he for a fact he was over eight, so I shot him. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know
2: that's I mean? like yeah. I'm I'm more I'm more yeah. proud of the, like I shot it. He was four and a half, mm-hmm. and like he was he was, he was, he was good. You know, good rack buck, but. He was a four-and-a-half-year-old puck. Like, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm.
1: Four-and-a-half, I mean, you would know better. That That is a cool story. I'm, I'm glad for that guy and for Joe because that's kind of cool for both of them, I'm sure. Oh, he was over the moon. He couldn't yeah, believe it. Yeah, would it. be too. Yeah. You know, if Joe, that is a Neither cool, of them little, could believe cool it. little piece of data to put in there. And, no, that that would be cool. But the um, I'd heard before somewhere, and I just heard it, that the average life expectancy of a deer in Kentucky is about three years.
2: That makes sense, yeah. I, I joke with with the people that I, I work with in the big game program like when in doubt when you're aging deer like when in doubt it's two and a half yeah you, you know, know just because <laughs> they, they all seem to be two and a half years old
1: i hate that too though I, and I, i'm not a huge fan of the the dentine aging
2: um no I, it's some serious controversy I especially after after like three and a half years old there it you lose confidence on it um not completely but yeah. like you know whether it's a year-and-a-half older, two-and-a-half-year-old, and And you know whether it's a a two-and-a-half-year-old or three-and-a-half-year-old, but after that, it drops, I mean, it's still, like, 80% confidence level, but it's not like this, like, does it have three cusps on this tooth or two? Mm -hmm. You know, that means that it's this old. It's, like, it's wider, worn out, so it's it's a little bit older or a little bit younger, and it's all about diet, too, so if you go, you know, further west into those sandy soils, their teeth are going to wear out faster than... You know, if they're just munching on corn their whole life. Corn mm-hmm.
1: or soybean leaves versus even mass crops, if you ask oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, like you said, diet. And I got to feel like there is some variability in deer's genetics. I mean, some people have yeah, good and teeth. Yeah,
2: and are the, teeth are the number one abnormality in a, in a white tailed deer. Yeah. Um, the buck that I killed was missing its first premolar. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Robinson, director of wildlife, he killed a three-and-a-half-year-old beautiful deer, mm-hmm. and it wasn't worn out at all. He's yeah. obviously three and a half year old deer.
1: Well, the deer I killed Ooh. this year, the a guy uh, just I gave him the jaw and and he gave it back and he's like, yeah, I thought about two and a half. I was like, man, this deer was 23 inches wide in 2017. <laughs> like I <haven't, laughs> like I know this deer was uh, like it had to be three in in 2017 when I last saw him. Like, but and then another guy I, had, I know who had a deer on trail camera. He thinks it was the oldest deer he ever killed, also two and a half. Um, and, it, and I'm like, man, it has to be diet or genetics or just something. Because, and I don't know how to dent teenage deer, so I'm listening to people. Who yeah. Also so that's might what not.
2: that's what I asked Ben. I said, does this thing like was it eating anything different? And he said, well, not since. I let it out of the pen. Yeah, just
1: soft I mean, serve yeah. and yogurt, right? <laughs> That's exactly. It's
2: just leafy greens. Leafy you know, greens. Was... <laughs> <laughs> no, that
1: is good. So, uh-uh. so anything else that jumps out to you from your time at the department? I mean, I think that that story is a cool one, and it reminds me of the of the elk I saw when we were up there on a the mine site. We were getting ready to do some helicopter elk work, and <clears throat> there was this herd of cows going across in front of us there, and and one of them just looked different than the others, you know. And so we pulled up our binoculars, and it had a tag in its mm-hmm. ear. And one of the guys had a spotting scope, and he was able to see that tag. And then later they looked it up, and they, and it was an original release. Um, mm, that's wild. It was a it was a fawn from '97. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so So cool. that would have been 2016 when I was there with them, doing that work. So and it was like, man, that is a cool, cool animal she is. And it was cool because they said when she was released, she would have been a, 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 a fawn or a calf, and. Um, that at some point she would have been in the middle of the pack, and then she probably would have been in the front of the pack, and then she probably moved back to the middle of the pack. And when oh, she neat. was, yeah, when she was coming through, she was the very last cow in the very back. You know what I mean? So she probably went through that whole cycle of of working her way through a harem. Mm-hmm. You know, of very being
2: cool. Yeah. So yeah. I th-
1: I thought that was one of the cooler things I'd seen.
2: That's neat. Yeah. I think I don't know the the next thing that comes to mind is is up at the Big Sandy Airport. Have y'all ever ventured up there, like uh, Martin County? Yeah, Martin yeah, County uh, over near the penitentiary.
1: I hope you haven't ventured over there for that. I've been but, to the penitentiary um, to, for elk reasons. Yeah. And I've yeah. seen some deer and some elk up there. Well, that's what,
2: that's what I was going to say. I was up there, oh, I guess it was the first week of uh, modern gun season. We were doing some fire line work up on Czar, on mm-hmm. um, back behind the airport. And they've got those big hay fields on each side of oh, the yeah. of big. the road. And so had one, you know. Boone and Crockett elk in this field with his 30 cows yeah. and then a little while you know a little ways down the road there's another Boone and Crockett elk with his 30 cows yeah. and, and in between we're sitting there watching the second one Deer. and here pops out this I mean monster bug yeah. nose to the ground like weaving through the cows. <laughs> didn't even look up. Didn't care they were there. Didn't care we were there. That was, that was pretty uh, neat. It is cool. It's that, like I don't know. You don't really think about that kind yeah. of interaction. Like from North Carolina we have some elk in Catalucci Valley, but not like here. You oh, know, okay. There's probably a hundred elk down there, and they they you go down to this one field, and you're like, they, they're the elk. The, right. It's cool. The uh, yeah,
1: have you been to that airport before? I don't think so. It's a Martin County. Uh, it's a it's a federal prison and an airport in Martin County, and then right next to I've it. I've been it, up on the the place everybody ATV rides in Martin County.
2: Okay, yeah, it's uh, not no, too I far. I will say there. Miller
1: Brothers.
0: Does
2: that sound right? Yeah, it's not not too far from there. This okay. is well, this uh, borders right Zorro. outside of Oxshire.
1: Yeah. This border is too, so it's a big chunk of really good ground. And there's a new apple orchard there. I think it's the largest apple orchard in the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Oh my and it's God. got
2: like a 15-foot-tall high fence. Just That's trying crazy. to keep those hey, yeah. there. Uh-huh. I,
1: oh I said something to the owner about, are you worried about the elk getting in your apples? And he's like, it's not the elk that worries me, it's the bears. 'Cause those, those bears will climb that boat oh, yeah. oh no. And, Teared up. Yeah, they'll get in there. So but that's a that is a really cool area. I've only been there once or twice, but it was it wasn't as cool as Tommy described. I didn't see bear and crocodile and, and they weren't out there with cows. But there was a a nice bull bedded up in one of those hayfields you're talking about. And then we oh, went yeah. around the corner and, and there went
2: a hundred and fifty five inch buck across the road and I was like, Man, this place is it's nuts. <laughs> it's yeah, up, they're they're pretty uh pretty restrictive on the number of permits that get drawn at Czar every year. I think it's like six. Yeah. And so the elk still kind of act like they did.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They
2: just haven't been hunted hard, you know, like they have been Yeah, those first years of
1: that. It's a DIY hunt, too. Um, It's no guiding allowed on that that specific piece of property. I don't know that you would need it. Yeah, that's another Yeah, (laughs) That's why it was in the initial years, you know. I covered those first Uh, But the bucks,
2: the the, deer up there, it's also decently restrictive I would say. And that's the one place where I've really kind of scratched my head on the zone four county. Yeah. It's like it's I think of... I've counted every deer in this one field that we think is in this county. Yeah. But if you get out in the county in mm-hmm. other places there's nothing. Yeah.
1: But you know there is a WMA or it's probably not a WMA, it's probably an access area. Um, right across the street from, from there. Like if you go out and you hit the main road, like and you go straight across the, the, the main highway from the area you're talking about, mm-hmm. is a hunter access area that is public. I mean you can go up there and read Yeah, run, and
2: Dewey Dewey Lake W May is not too far from there. Yeah. I think it backs up to Czar. So I mean there's there's opportunity out there. That's and there's a, a bunch of deer. It's 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 kinda nuts.
1: That's the thing about eastern Kentucky is that you know, most of our population lives Northern Kentucky, Louisville, Mm -hmm. Lexington, Bowling Green. Um, And just don't get to see eastern Kentucky that much. But the truth is that there is more ground to do stuff on out there. Like this weekend, I'm going bear hunting, like I mentioned. I have no idea where I'm going to be on Saturday morning, but I've got hundreds of thousands of acres to choose from within 30 minutes of where I'm going to be staying.
2: There's more public land in southeast Kentucky than anywhere else in the state. mm -hmm. I think it's it's over a million acres, including Daniel Boone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: literally have my choice of going to this 60,000-acre WMA that's 20 miles that way, or I can go to this 6,000-acre WMA. You know, it's just literally, land, and, and the opportunity to do stuff there, you, there are deer. Like, if you go up on C.T. Attaya WMA, you're going to see deer. And there are also coyotes, and there's also bobcats, and there's elk, and there's bear, and there's... And there's
2: quail. And, yeah, quail. Mm-hmm. Um, Say that too loudly. There's, there's
1: quail up there. A grouse. I a flush grouse up there. I mean, there's some some cool stuff happening in eastern Kentucky. You just got to drive that way to go see it. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, yeah. I love it out there. Uh, It's like like, halfway home for me because I'm I'm in like the big mountains of North Carolina, kind of north of Asheville. I was looking the other night. Our high top on the the property that we hunt is like 3,600 feet and... I think Black Mountain, which is the highest point in Kentucky, is like 4,100 feet. Yeah, yeah. Is. Pine Mountains, what, like 2,600, mm-hmm. something uh, Pine like Pine
1: Mountain, I'd have to look at a peak on. Pine, Pine runs at about twenty six, mm. okay. and Cumberland runs at about 2,800 to 3,000. Um, the highest, well, the hardest hike, I'm not sure where the highest I've ever gone in Kentucky is, but I, I started off at the bottom of Cumberland one day, and I made my way to the top of Brush Mountain, sure. which was off the WMA, mm. but, I, but I was looking on my X. And it, it's a public, pro. I mean, there's a hiking trail that goes mm-hmm. up there. So it wasn't on the WMA, but I was sitting there on the WMA, and I was like, if I go half a mile further, I can be the highest point. And for some reason that day, I just felt like doing something stupid. <laughs> so I walked on up there and went to the top of Brush Mountain, just so I could say I did it. And nobody cares, and it wasn't really worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because the top of those mountains is, for the most part, timber. You know. Mm-hmm. So when you get up there it's not like you can see a big view or anything. I mean you're just looking at the underside of oak leaves for the most <laughs> yeah. part. But you know, it's it's still cool. But I'm I'm looking forward to going back this weekend. Um Tommy, can you point me in the direction of a bear? This will be my thirteenth time going. This is my the second trip of my tenth year and uh, I've not yet gotten a bear, so.
2: Sounds like you've got a pretty good plan. You're staying at, staying at Pine Mountain?
1: Staying at Pine Mountain, and I don't know if I'm going east or west. Um, uh, the wind is, the, that's a killer, is the wind's supposed to be out of the south this weekend, which is good for weather, because mm-hmm. bears should be maybe moving, because it's gonna be warmer. It's not gonna be one of those 20, 30 degree hunts. We're looking mm-hmm. at temps in the 50s, I believe, mm-hmm. so that's good for bear movement. But um, <laughs> the oaks have me worried, because these bears probably aren't gonna be moving yeah you because know, just gotta
2: find you a, find you your oak flat. And I know where they're at. Go for I mean, a walk. The
1: problem is down there in Eastern Kentucky, there's so many oaks. I mm-hmm. mean, they are literally mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere. And uh, so, I mean, it's you can find an oak flat pretty easy. Is the hard part. I, f- I feel like the bears probably can too. Yeah. And they probably hang out at the oak flats that I don't know about because I don't go. I I mostly stick to paths and roads, you know, because there's a ton of roads and old dirt, gravel, and
2: yeah, and crossing one. Mm-hmm. Is it out of the picture. Oh, I think that's, that's where I've, I mean. I've, I haven't been bear hunting in in Kentucky, and, but I would say the most bears that I've seen have just been riding those roads. I think that's yeah. That's how cause that's the only time I'm out there.
1: But um, mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen five in Kentucky, and three of them were while I was just just walking around, and
2: oh, there's yeah. a bear right there. Yeah, that's when you'll see them. And the yeah. other
1: ones, one of them was <laughs> on an elk hunt, so that one we were just sitting and watching an oak flat, just like you said, we were watching an oak flat. And then the other two was because I got tired of walking one day and I sat down for no more than five minutes and two bears walked up. Classic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's how it goes. So one of these days I'm going to get a bear, and I say that every time. I mean, one of these days I am. Last year I'm blaming it on the mass crop, and this year I'll probably blame it on the mass crop too if I don't get one. Yeah. Because As was telling me that they were all so so fast. Put a few jars of
0: peanut butter and <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> there I, you I, go. I,
1: I
2: like my job. Call, call you yeah. Call the C.O. down there to help you when you do that. Yeah.
1: Um. yeah. I, I, I think uh, you know I could probably find another job, but I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. Oh, no. You know, so I think I'll just stick to doing what I'm doing. <laughs> And was, I don't really care if I kill a bear. To be hundred percent honest. Did Troy it, Gentry get nailed up
0: hunting, hunting some over donuts? He did.
1: <laughs> he, he did. It was, it was honestly right before he got killed in that helicopter crash. Yeah, I know. He yeah. got what was? It was something to do with donuts, wasn't it? Yeah, he was hunting bears over bait, you know, over donuts. I can not afford donuts. They, they yeah, they do don't <laughs> Those are
2: deer donuts. Those weren't bear donuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the kind of donuts do they like,
0: though? I think these were Tim Hortons. <laughs> 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 it was up was north, wasn't it?
2: heard the honey buns.
0: I don't
1: one remember. What in Kentucky? No, it was, it was. We were
2: trapping them with. Uh, up north. Honey buns, right? Honey buns. Yeah. Honey buns. Are, I like well, honey buns. then we use
0: peanut butter to get better samples. So,
2: yeah. So I, I I got to go out there this summer and help Help Trison can they collar really some smell bears. peanut butter a mile away? Is that true? Oh, probably. Yeah, probably further up on those up on those you know hilltops.
1: That oily, you could, oh, you know, sweet. Yeah, yeah. You know. so we
2: put a big peanut butter slick, and then uh, tryson our bear biologist down in, in Letcher County. He's convinced they can hear the bag, the honey bun bag. Oh, so he pop. makes sure, yeah, he makes sure to hold it way up in the air and, and smash that thing so it. It, so it pops out, you know, across the yeah.
1: across the woods. And as soon as sent He says, there. oh, they come running. Yeah. You just don't even need to leave. <laughs> just go sit down fifty yards behind a bush, and uh, uh, you'll see a bear come up. That, were, that, I do think it's interesting. Like I don't, I don't have any idea how good they can, how well they can actually smell. Like I know they have the best sense of smell, right? Better than oh, yeah. a better yeah. than a, a coyote, better than a deer. I know they can smell pretty dang good because I've watched coyotes before be on the run at five hundred yards, and it, when they hit your your wind, it's like they hit a brick wall. Like they they oh, think yeah. about it for yeah. no more than a tenth of a second. Boom! I know what that is, and I'm gone. And that's from. And I'd argue
2: they're a lot smarter than both of those animals too, which does not help.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the wind's tough, you know, because a lot of the WMAs and the areas you hunt down there, like C.T. Atai and Elk Forest and Robin, some of those are much different. But then you got areas like Martin's Fork um, or Pine Mountain where you're hunting one side of of a ridge, Mm -hmm. and so you're fairly limited there on what you can do as far as approach goes. And so when the wind is out of a certain direction, it, it can make things very difficult on you. But that's why I don't know where I'm going, because I'm just going to go. I would kind of like to see new land this year, so somewhere I've never been, maybe. Uh, Bobby, my, who I'm going with, has a spot picked out um, very close to the Tennessee border. Um, he's planning on walking in. He found some some ponds that are kind of tucked up in, some, some hollers down there, a little bit of open ground in the middle of some... I mean, it, I never had looked at this area on a map before, but it, it looks good. I don't know if water is really a draw for bears. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, I don't know. You think? Depends
2: on what's going on. I mean, like, I feel like most animals you get You want their... this weekend? Yeah. It's going to be pouring rain, so I doubt it. This weekend it is? It is in West Kentucky, at least. I don't know.
1: <sighs> I need to look at my weather forecast up again and see what I Because I
2: was mean. looking for late muzzleloader season, like the first, first weekend. And it's looking, looking a little cruddy, but I don't know. I had a friend in grade school that would say you know the deer moving the rain because they know you can't hear them yeah i do think so you better get out there i
1: actually agree with your friend a little bit i'm not going to say the rain's that much better but i do think that um weather events that are oh, just yeah. odd can be a better time to hunt because not just because like they might get the deer up and moving but because i think that in certain weather events you can better predict where the deer are going to be
2: yeah like if- i like the rain because it's I can move around a lot quieter. Oh, yeah. I can, the sign that I see is gonna be fresh. Yep. You know, you best just, best. Have, you're, it seems like you're a lot more keyed in when everything is quiet. Yeah, I think
0: that goes all around. Um, I love to fish in the rain. Mm. Um, fish don't know it's raining. Um, yeah, and I've, <laughs> some of my best dove hunts have been punctuated with rain,
2: really?
0: sun comes up, you shoot birds, rain. Sun comes out, mm-hmm. shoot but Well, birds. they've only
2: got that window.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, they know
2: that, too. So.
1: I just think like on a really, really cold day, give me a south-facing hillside. You know what I mean? Or if it is a monsoon of rain or I want to be somewhere near cedar thicket after it's over. You know, or a heavy, heavy snowfall, like give me some cedar, give me some cover. Or if they need warmth, give me a south-facing hillside. If it's mm-hmm. real, real. Especially
2: down there. Yeah.
1: If it's real hot, like in early season for deer, like obviously i'm going to be thinking about going somewhere a little bit lower not necessarily for water but it's just cooler down there in the shaded yeah. areas all oh, the time yeah, yeah. so I, I kind of like weather events too but i just looked at uh, the weather it's a 30 percent chance of rain on saturday 100 percent chance of rain on sunday
2: better get it
1: done it says up to one inch sunday which isn't horrible No. saturday before. unless
2: it all comes at once
1: yeah <laughs> maybe things will work perfect and i can just get the bear on saturday evening and have them quartered up about the time the rain starts, and we can just put them on a sled and push them down the hill. Heck actually.
2: yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, meet them at the bottom. I'm trying to
1: look here and see if I had any more. All right, so somebody asked this question, and I gave an answer to it because I felt pretty confident. They wanted to know, are Fort Knox deer included in these numbers? that they, I saw
2: them. Yeah, so every deer that's telechecked is in these numbers. So the only thing that's not are your predation yeah. permit deer, which there's a couple dozen of. Yeah and um, quota hunt deer. So the quota hunts that we do on our WMAs are not included in this in this number. Um, we've just got to clean that data up a little bit before well, we can throw people. them in there. And it, it, it's like four 500 deer that were harvested across those those WMAs. That was the first weekend. I haven't seen any numbers yet about uh, this past weekend. Cleaver, Rich, and there were a couple hmm. others.
1: Some people might just not know how Fort, Fort Knox works. Um, when you hunt Fort Knox, even though they have their own Department of Natural Resources, their own Fish and Wildlife Agency, all the deer that get killed there still get telechecked through our, the normal telecheck system. Right. Like, yeah. And you still have to have a statewide license to hunt Fort Knox in addition to the permit that they require you to have. So <clears throat> you call a deer in if you hunt on Fort Knox just like you do anywhere else. And they tell you on the front end to tag it. There's like three counties. There's Mead and Hardin and... And there's like three counties that Fort Knox encompasses, and they tell you to tag it in the county you took it in, and if you don't know which county you're in, tag it as Hardin. That's what they tell you on the front end. So those numbers should be there, and Hardin's numbers might be bolstered a little bit.
2: Well, that's what I was looking at. I, I don't know that it would have taken anything away from Hardin yeah. being the number one modern yeah. gun county. And
1: Fort Knox is, I mean... Might as well, you know, it's kind of hard to, it it probably needs to be the way it is because that place is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Now they say when you fly over at night, now I did do this coming back from ACI, but I was looking out the other side of the plane. It's like a black hole.
0: Yeah, I saw that coming yeah.
1: home one yeah. like time. It's pretty cool. cool. You see all these lights, and then you just see... I love light. looking
0: at Lake Cumberland from
1: up when oh, you're flying yeah. over. You're yeah. like, my God. <laughs>
0: what is nothing. that big pregnant <laughs> uh,
1: snake down there?
2: Oh, it's uh, Lake Cumberland.
0: A pregnant snake. That's what it
1: looks like. Well, next time I snake see... A snake a big rat. Next today. time I see a, a map of Lake Cumberland, I'll have to look for that. <laughs> what else you got for us, Tommy? I'm trying to look. Um, mean, there's one thing I was wondering
0: yeah, that it. I when I have was studying... Um, the number five percent of our deer are harvested on public land, and that number's been consistent it's for been, a long time. It's Been now. pretty
2: consistent since since telecheck. Five percent. Yeah, five and four and, to well, six percent. Right you know on.
0: we add a lot of public land each year, but it, that number stays.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny. So it, it what's up is with that? Either? Basically, directly in line with your percentage of public land. Like you're right, we're adding a, adding a little bit every year, but we haven't you know, that, that little Livingston County one, the Butler County one, that's mm-hmm. not changing your percentage of public yeah. land. So we're at, I think we're at right at 5% public land mm-hmm. across the state. Yes. And we've got 5%, 5% of the harvest yeah, so is yeah. on public land, which is kind of, I mean. Oh,
1: we've got some work
2: being done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. I you know hey, what was happening. we got spies. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's, it doesn't seem to like be putting any kind of triggers up in my head as far as, like we need to get that number up. I'd yeah. be worried you? if that thing started skyrocketing. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, but I thought that um, and even we've got we've had more public yeah, land. and the, it varies the from from you cool. know piece to piece. But our public lands, I mean, I can't can't say enough about them. They're coming from North Carolina and poking around on that public land compared to this is night and day. We have deer here. <laughs> you know, it's not overcrowded. If you know, if you lot to walk, if not you're going willing to, to walk
1: a mile. Oh, if will you eliminate 98 percent of the people. Oh, it's uh, it's amazing. It's am- like and I got introduced to our public land really through small game hunting. Um, I I've only deer hunted public in the state of Kentucky like once ever, never taken anything. But small game hunting, I'll take my dog out there and we'll just put in miles. And there is there are a ton of deer on public land in Kentucky, and there are uh, good scrape lines and good rub lines. And there's you know there's what you want to see. You just
2: kind of got to go mm. like more than a quarter mile from the road. Yeah you know that's yeah. or you find your little po- like little postage stamp that doesn't yeah. look like anything on the map but you can sneak you know you can get in there where everybody's also you know everybody's overlooked it yeah mhm um, that was kind of my game plan when i was getting my masters at western i frequented barren river lake quite a bit and that was my kind of ticket i mean i had several honey holes down there where you'd see a ton of deer and it was because there was you know a uh, acre and a half of public land right here and it's surrounded by private and you can drive right by it or you can pull off on the side of the road and go hunt mm-hmm. you know and didn't kill anything I missed several good deer down there I, I was kind of cursed until this year to, to get my hands on a rack buck in Kentucky I had every everything that could have gone wrong go wrong on me these past few years but um, but yeah the the uh, getting back to your question yeah the percentage and um you know, I, I get emails and phone calls a lot and I have the last couple of weeks um, about this non-resident crowding the public land, you know, during during gun season. Well, that's season. another
0: th- I've noticed in 10 years it's went up 3%.
2: Yeah, so what? Uh,
0: no, we're non-resident harvests.
2: Yeah, so. so statewide private and public land it's it's bumped from like 13, 14 yeah, It was 13
0: in 2014 and 16 now.
2: 16 now, yeah. And so it's ticking up a little bit, but it's. it's um,
0: Resident was 85% last year, it was in 2023,
2: 79%. Yeah, and the, the resident is a little touchy because it, if you're a youth and you check a deer in, your residency is unknown. So if you mm-hmm. look on the top of that graph, that unknown button, or the unknown portion is getting bigger every year, yep. too. So. Hmm that could be, it's, it's, I I look more at the non-resident percentage than I do the resident percentage because those unknowns kind of skew that a little bit. But the, yeah, the non-resident has gone up to, it's about 16% of the harvest. Mm -hmm. Um, our quota hunts are capped at 10% Mm non-resident and that's about what the harvest is there. On public lands themselves, it's like 20%, um, which kind of makes sense in my head. Mm -hmm. The number of public land deer aren't, Rising, You know, they're not killing them out. Non-residents aren't, you know, doing anything to make it concerning on the public land. But if I don't have a place to go and I want to go hunt in Kentucky, like, that's where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you... I don't want to pay a couple grand to go mm-hmm. sit on a lease for three days.
1: You could draw from those numbers that residents are killing slightly fewer deer then. Because yeah. we haven't shot up, like, we aren't killing more deer as a state we're pretty even but so sort if of non-resident harvest have gone up 3% then that would mean that there is some drop in the number of deer that residents are yeah. killing. Yeah. So you could say the same you know you'd have to extrapolate yeah. it Yeah.
2: And it would it would <clears throat> be slight if you I kind of standardized all this harvest. Mm-hmm. Um it it would be it'd be very slight but yeah, yeah I'd suspect. I mean that's Seven. 6% on the graph from 85 to 79, I, w- I would assume so, that the the proportions change a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I feel like once you, if you're looking at the numbers versus themselves, you'd have to do that division one more time. And I might be wrong. I'm not a mathematician or a biologist or a scientist. But, like, you'd have to look at the 14% the non-resident was compared to 17% non-resident was and essentially say that's a 17% increase or so. Even though it's a 3% increase, it's
2: right, right,
1: a, yeah. a 17% increase on itself.
2: Um, yeah, and I think that it's definitely something that is kind of on everyone's mind right now. Um, you all probably saw it in the commission meetings this past week. I did watch it. You know, the commission it's, meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's front of mind. We are, you know, one of the only states left, basically, that you can go pay 300 bucks as a non-resident and have the opportunities that you have in, in the state to actually be able to see Boone and Crockett level deer in every county. You can mm-hmm. see that on public land, too. Yeah, so you know oh, yeah. I mean? So and, and that's the thing yeah, is that, I'm measuring a deer tomorrow from uh, Veterans Memorial that'll go, I think I mean he's he's one fifty at least I from think one hundred sixty inches. That's a
1: great that's a great WMA. I, I like the ones that are close to populations.
2: Yeah, like that. and this is to prove that there's still big yeah. old deer on the on these properties. It's not well, like oh hunting, we're next wasn't to that a deer
0: hunting property before we got it. Yeah, wasn't that like, it's a, like a, oh
2: you know they're like Taylorsville Lake. I mean, they killed some big deer off of Taylorsville Lake this year, which you would never think that Mm -hmm. there'd be any kind of age structure at Taylorsville Lake Mm -hmm. just because it's so close to Louisville. you'd think that, I mean, I definitely thought that when I moved to Louisville, like I'm not Mm -hmm. going to Taylorsville Lake. I'm going to see a bunch of four corns, you know, because everybody's killing everything. That's Mm -hmm. just not, not the case. People are much more picky on public land than, Then you think... Veterans, um,
1: for people who don't know, is right on the side of I-75 in Georgetown. It's like 15 minutes north of Lexington. It literally borders I-75 and around Georgetown.
2: Yeah, and it's a cool spot, and the deer numbers on veterans are not what they are in the rest of the bluegrass, which I think is good for their Mm -hmm. herd. I think it's, it's, it's allowing on public land for deer to get this big.
1: Yeah. I think that's a cool WMA. I like it just being close to the urban area. And then also, that's the same reason I like uh, Otter Creek and uh, Knob State Forest. And uh, Taylorsville is cool too. I mean, okay. I never have deer hunt in Taylorsville, I, but there's a lot of opportunity um, yeah. Yeah. close to these urban areas. And then you got Miller Welch in Madison County, not too far from. Richmond and I burnt Alexander. that up in my day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch of good ones up north too. Yeah, I've burnt up Miller Welch when I was. I right. love Miller Welch uh, when I, I was a right. i Started up started, we started poking around
2: point, on Kleber this year. Kleber here. Yeah, and you know, found same same deal of what we were talking about. Like, walked a quarter mile off the road, and there's not a lick of human sign to be found. You know, it's like mm-hmm. people just aren't going that far. Yeah. It's really not that far to go, I know. and they're covered up in deer. I you know, put a trail camera out there and have several bucks just in this one spot. Passing. I mean, you can't bait or anything. But, I mean, they're out there. I can't say enough about public lands. you mm-hmm. take advantage of them. I know. Um,
1: do any other numbers that you have there do, in front of you do, kind of Do
0: non-resident numbers concern you?
2: Not yet. Um, I think I am more concerned in it with the fact that residents might be losing out more than... Um. Maybe more than we think. I mean, I've gotten, the had to respond to a lot of emails about that. Like, it's not just the harvest. The harvest doesn't concern me. It's the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And when you drive past a WMA parking lot and there's nothing but non-resident license plates, and you're a Kentucky resident who just lost their farm to a, you know, non-resident lease, mm-hmm. like that. That pulls on me a little bit harder than mm-hmm. than just looking at these numbers. These numbers aren't aren't worrying me all that much. But, but
0: I we don't want to get to where good hunting is only the purview of those who can afford to right. pay three thousand dollars a hunting
1: Yeah. And that, that, you know, you hear during the commission meetings and there's time for public comment. So you hear what people are saying and you know, there's definitely some some of that rumbling from the from the crowd out there, you know, of um, essentially the leasing. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I don't really hear. The, I can't blame a landowner though. Yeah, that's the I mean,
2: thing. Farming is no, hard. It,
0: yeah, you and know, and if you can make twelve grand extra a year for, yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you'd be a fine I'd be all over it. it. I'd yeah. be like, yes, good. That pays so my tax so bill. That I, pays my. I, I do expect, and that's it's completely out of my purview. I'm just the, you know, just the deer biologist that pulls all this data. But the, I think that, I, I'd be surprised if it like isn't addressed in one shape, way, shape, or form in the next. You know, five ten years. Mm-hmm. I don't see, see it happening. Anything happening tomorrow, but yeah. I do. I do think it will turn into enough of a um, outcry that that they'll they'll do something about it. and I don't know what that'll even look like,
1: but yeah, it's tough because it's hard to know what that could look like. Because, like you said, you it's not our business to regulate what a private in, exactly. landowner does with their own private property. Like mm-hmm. you know, if they want to lease it, then that's kind of their prerogative. You know, I mean, it's it would be. I don't see how we like as an individual i would be upset if i owned property and somebody was telling me what i could and couldn't couldn't and do and the government
2: well, came in and told you with, what yeah, to do you with know it. i would be mad if it was with me
1: but it's
0: uh, that's for someone i mean and, you know if it was Jump change would be one thing. That's significant money.
2: Yeah, you know. And you're exactly right. That's that's for someone with a bigger brain than yeah. than myself. It's above so. my pay
1: grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, uh, that is above our pay grades. We just get paid to talk and pull data and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. did any other numbers like jump out at you? Is there anything in
2: there that you think is kind of? I counted? think the the buck age structure is. Is a pretty cool thing, and I'm that's something that I think we, we as, a, as a department, as a state, is it this graph here? It is, yeah, how about it? It uh, should pride itself in. Like before the one buck limit, statewide one buck limit was implemented, we were harvesting between 70 and 80 percent yearling bucks every year. So 70 to 80 percent of the bucks that we har- that Kentuckians harvested. We're a year and a half old, so like spikes, forkies, mm-hmm. that kind of size, does with antlers, kind of size deer. Mm-hmm. Since then, and I think that trail cameras also greatly contribute to this, but we're down in the, you know, fifteen to twenty percent yearling buck range, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool mm-hmm. to see. Um, across all bucks, I'm not sure if that graph includes fawns or not. It does. Um, so button bucks as well. That that usually sticks right around five percent of the total harvest. Uh, that's does included. But so that's pretty neat. And, and that's if if you have killed a buck in Kentucky and you call to check it in, that's what that question is that they ask on telecheck is the inside spread being 11 inches or not? Because uh, we ran some numbers few years back and found that there is a very clear cutoff between year and a half olds and two and a half plus year olds and it's not going to catch them all but it's a really good rule to follow that if it's less than 11 inches um, inside spread it's probably a yearling, probably a year and a half old year Um, and if it's greater then it's two and a half or older. So that's how we're able to parse those numbers out without having actual physical check stations like they used to. Mm -hmm.
1: Looking at your uh, data here, one thing jumped out to me, and it it looks like archery hunters are the best managers of the resource to me. That's just what I'm looking at. And the reason I say that is because as I look, archery hunters killed uh, 6,000 males and uh, 9,000 females, right? That's right. Yeah, and it's,
2: it's like that every single year. And I don't know that it's a conscious management decision well, or does, what right? but i i mean as a as a semi-archery purist i like to think that yeah like it's because it's because we care more
1: well not just that but part of it is after you sit in a tree long enough you just kind of something shoot walks something. by it's, it's <laughs> yeah. going to yeah. catch some heat yeah that's exactly right. any, anybody <laughs> could sit out there for two weeks during gun season and uh-huh. not, not shoot something you sit out there for two or three months so you're like
2: uh-huh. oh yeah yeah the nubbin head that caught the heat last night but it's, uh,
1: something that's coming to a head. I gotta hit this more. The, the cellular. Uh, oh, go oh ahead. I'm sorry. I just want. Let me finish that thought real right. quick. So archery hunters killed essentially 100 150 percent female to male, right? So 6,000 males, 9,000 females, mm-hmm. um, and they killed 690 male fawns. Now as we move to another category of firearm, 57,000 males, 42,000 females. So we see that, that ratio goes mm-hmm. the other way. Now yep. we're now we're buck heavy, five thousand seven hundred forty-four fawns. Now that is over ten percent. Well, I mean, so that's not as far off as I as I thought it was. Essentially, I was thinking that archery hunters probably have an easier time telling what a fawn is and what isn't.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. in early season, yeah. those fawns have spots. Yeah, so it's easy. By the time rifle season rolls around, they a button lie. buck is the size of a small doe.
1: But like, look at know. crossbow for instance. Crossbow hunters took a. Uh, 13,000 total deer and 850 were fawns whereas archery hunters took 15,600 total deer and 690 were fawns so just less fawns per eight but I'm assuming that's because it's earlier and like Tommy said those fawns are kind of marked up and easy to identify and then as you go through the seasons get later, of course I shot a I shot a I'm not gonna call it a very young deer um I'll not call not too it long... I, I
2: killed a fawn last yeah. uh, last night it was so, but that, it's getting turned into snack sticks. But this time, of, yeah, this no time doubt. of year, it's
1: hard to tell, man.
2: Those fawns <laughs> look a lot
1: like doe. Yeah, you, know, you can, can tell by the nose, the length of the nose. Tasty. But, so. Yeah.
2: Well, but, I, sat, I sat last night. I saw six deer. They were all bucks. And so I shot the legal deer that was in front of me and there you go. went home. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel,
1: you know. I, I would no, prefer I, to clean yeah. a big doe and get and and more then beat And then oh, snack sticks yeah. when you're doing field work. And
2: my argument, that might be something to touch on because I don't know how many hunters know about it. It's like that button buck that's on my property right now is I will never see him as an adult deer. Mm-hmm. He's going to go miles away when mom kicks him out of um, the area during mm-hmm. the rut next year, or right before the rut next year. He's going to disperse mm-hmm. and go to somebody else's farm and grow up. Yeah. So,
1: And that's given that he survives the winter, which he, that's, all only yeah. got a flip of a coin chance of doing right, probably. Right. So, yeah. No, that's all I had. I didn't want to cut you off, Lee, but I oh, did. Looking at these numbers and seeing that archery hunters... You know, I'm, I'm an archery hunter, so I take a little pride in this. Archery hunters have the best ratio of male to female Is if you want does harvested. They have the most pro-harvest, pro-doe harvest ratio. And the percentage of fawns that are shot compared to adult deer was also comparably, you know, as, as good as any or better. So I was thinking archery hunters, the managers. Must just yeah. the, the, but that's just me kind of goofing <laughs> off and... and being proud of being <laughs> on it. All right. Well, you got anything else, Tom? We've kept you long. This is probably our longest podcast. I hope the uh, the Sorry, judges fellas. for the next award we enter into have a
2: well. The length is probably me just pronouncing my name at the beginning. Sixteen, uh, syllables. 16 <laughs> letters, not syllables. Six syllables. Fourteen. Now I'm confused. It's six I got to go back and relearn letters. it. Um, no, I mean uh, I would say get your muzzleloader back out, go kill some deer. Saturday through next Sunday. Or um,
0: a good friend of mine took his biggest of all time and late muzzleloader in December. They're
2: back on bed to feed. I mean the the bucks that I'm seeing are at my brother's place. Yeah, they're they're on bed to feed right now. Um, and you know if they see anecdotally, you know if they're if there are does around, they're going to check them. They're going to be interested, but they're not keyed up like they have been. They're going to be a lot more, you know maybe. I don't want to say predictable, but mm-hmm. um, maybe patternable would be a better better way to say it. So I mean, now's I don't know better time than mm-hmm. than any right now for what we've got left in the season. So um, yeah, late muzzleloader coming in. Um, weekend after Christmas is yes. youth free mm-hmm. youth weekend. Free youth week, yep. so, weekend. Yeah. Um, weekend. Would highly encourage people to to find a youth and take them out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and this weekend, but, like Bobby, who I'm going bear hunting with, he, he's taking us Thompson Center bear hunting because he's still got a buck tag. Just in, in case. Yep. Yeah, he's still got a buck tag, uh, so he will be deer slash bear hunting. And uh, I've always been interested. I kind of have this thing in mind now where I want, to eat, I want to eat a bear, right? I want to try a bear. But I kind of almost want to try making something out of a deer skin, too. I don't know, Ooh. I
2: don't
1: know why. I've just That'd got this mean. weird little...
2: I had a buddy down in, in Bowling Green when I was down there that, that was... What he was—he was just sure he was gonna try and try and make something. So I saved all my skins all, all year. I bet they're still sitting in his freezer. <laughs> I,
1: feel, I saw this guy on uh, Etsy. I don't know, or it might have been Etsy or something. He he was a trapper and he had made a full coyote parka. That's so awesome. It was a hundred percent parka, had a hood on it and everything, and he was selling that thing for three thousand six hundred dollars. I was like, I need to learn how to sew. <laughs> <And> start, <laughs> yeah, start need to some something. hides yeah. here. Heck yeah. All right. Tommy, I appreciate you coming by. Yeah, thank so you all can, for having you. me. Oh, no problem, man. Yeah, and uh, we'll be talking to you. I'm going to talk to you again after uh, season's over and kind of see where we finished up. I don't know yeah, if that'll be, be, be on the podcast to. or not, but I do want oh, to. I think a uh, year in review would be a good thing. Year, year in review? Yeah,
0: yeah after after
1: everything's counted up and said and done. And sometime after MLK Day, after I make my Hunters for the Hungry donation and get my last two yeah. deer. Believe me, the, the you know, like the guy from the um, Wild Tail, he's like, you know,
0: the deer hunting drives so much of what we do.
2: Oh, it's billions, billions of dollars in in the state's economy every so, year. I mean, I mean no, our whole, the whole department. passionate interest,
0: so yeah, I don't think we could ever talk about deer too much and no, for our listeners.
2: No, absolutely anything, not. You know, we can always talk about deer. Yeah, no doubt. Never a bad time.
1: All right, Tom. All right we,
2: fellas, thank you so much. We appreciate it, see you guys. All right, man.